Hello and welcome to episode 83 of the Liverpool Comedy Improvcast with me, Ian Luke-Jones. This is where we get to know the people who make up the LCI community and a place where we delve into all sorts of improv topics. And today we're delving back into our A to Z of improv, focusing on the letter C with Michael Ananins. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. We're even available on Amazon Podcasts, which means that you can ask Alexa to play the show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the show to give us a boost and help get our name out there. And just before we go off script and really delve into things, I will just say, it's not just me and Michael having this chat. There's an extra guest. That guest is a squeaky chair. Yes, there is a squeaky chair that was seemingly trying to join us and take part in the conversation all the way through. So now I've told you that, you're probably going to think, oh, that's all I can focus on, the squeaky chair. But the squeaky chair is there, so hopefully it won't detract too much from the fantastic chat that we had because we really did have a great chat and we talked about so many great things and went down so many rabbit holes. I am really excited for you to hear it. So let's hear it. Let me stop talking because it is time to get all the way down to everything C in improv. That's the letter C, not the ocean. I should stop talking. Here's the show. Please welcome this week's guest. He's coming back to the show. It's Michael. Hi, everyone. Hi, Ian. Hello. Well, thanks for coming on. I'm really excited to delve into all things the letter C with you. Yes. Look forward to it. So we're just going to jump straight into it and get down to our first word. Well, I say first word. It's actually uh, two words I've sort of merged into this first one. And the first word is creative, but I put creative slash creativity. So when it comes to improv, what are your thoughts on creative slash creativity? Well, I like, um, I like the way things normally, if you're going to be in a play, um, you're going to have a script, you're going to prepare for the performance, sometimes three, sometimes even six weeks. With improv, the creativity is done on the spot. It's your mind. It's getting your mind into a certain certain aspect. Like um, if you want to do puns and you want to have some fun with puns, the more puns you do, the more puns you read of other people's, you train your mind into a into a, 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 a pun a pun way. And it's the same with improv. The, what was scary for me, and it took, um, yeah, scary probably, um, it took me a while to walk forward into a scene with a blank, completely blank head. What I'd do beforehand, I would think, well, what's funny? Mm, that's funny. Maybe I can get that into this scene. If I talk first and try and manipulate the scene, I can get this funny joke in, um, which is the wrong way to do it, obviously. And then I felt a massive sense of freedom um, with creativity by just walking forward with absolutely nothing, nothing at all. And that's the good thing about being creative um, in improv, I, I, I believe. Yeah, I think trusting that creative process as well is what scares a lot of people, a lot of actors in particular. They don't 
like that thought of stepping forward and having to think on the spot because they're used to having the script. It tells them what they need to know. It tells them what they're saying and it tells them how they're saying it a lot of the time as well. So it's a scary thing and it is it is what really separates an improviser from a, a non-improviser, I think, when it comes to performing. Yeah, absolutely, massively so. I mean, if, if I get a part of the play which is scripted, the first thing I'll do is read the play and see what everybody else in the play says about me, about my character, which gives me an, an idea. How do you say, with, with stepping forward, and it's a freedom, but once you get used to it, you realise there was absolutely nothing to fear in the first place. It's, it's, it's an absolute freedom. There's no response. You've got to get rid of the responsibility that you create for, say, being funny. If you think, well, I've got to be funny, and that's the temptation to have something in your back pocket before you go on. But once you, once you just, have, just have that freedom to step forward, it's really releasing, and, and it really releases your, your creativity even more, I think, from that side of, of the brain. Yeah, and sort of being creative in the moment as well, because, you know, actors are very creative, musicians are very creative, but they've created this thing, and then they go off and, and share it in the play or at the concert or whatever. And improvisers were, were always creating, like, the story there and then, and you don't know maybe it's it's a game where there's audience suggestions that have, have helped shape that story and what's what's cool is you can really feel the crowd and go with the crowd and improv because you don't have a script to stick to if you've got a play and you're playing out the scene and the crowd just aren't into it well tough you're not going to go off script you've got to do the script if, if you're singing a song and the crowd aren't into it. Well, you've got to finish the song, you know, but an improv, oh, this isn't resonating for some reason. On the spot, you can change it and get the crowd on your side. Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely correct. Um, yeah. That's so, one of the, the exciting things about it. And that's where the creativity flows even more. And eat, and trains you, you, the creative part of your brain even more. Yeah, so being creative is is essential. And at the same time, I would say there are some improvisers that are perhaps more creative than others. And I don't mean that in a negative way to some, but there are some that will always jump straight in and want to create everything there and then and there are some that will always hang back and want to see what others are building and then build on on the other people which which is all equally important yeah yeah absolutely you, you can um react you, you get a, an improviser that wants to jump on and wants to create but you can't create everything it's also vital for the person to step on and respond and and so you build together, and yeah. not, not knowing sometimes um, which way <clears throat> the scene is going to go, and that, that's the best position to be in the thing when you have no idea where it's going to go. And that nicely leads into our next word today, because our next word is commitment, and there's a lot of commitment in trusting that creative process. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> 
uh, again, it's another way of of, um, of, of freeing oneself, um, like the same with going on with the black mind to to, to commit to what you seem partners need to to be aware as well, um, to be aware of what's going on, and it can be you've got so many things to do. There isn't time to plan any anything anyway. There isn't the possibility to do that because so you've got to watch and maybe mirror your scene partner and and react to them and how they are um, watching their emotions and um, particularly and, and and reacting to that. It's um, sometimes I think I've learned with one coach that you can have what's called. Um, a sensible mind. So if if I started a scene with you um, and, and you said to me, I've been watching YouTube last night uh, on how to do dentistry. So um, I'm just going to take some of your teeth out. That, it's okay for me to say no. That, that's ridiculous. You know, you can't... Um, you can't lay in dentistry from watching YouTube one evening and then expect to do somebody's teeth. Uh, and that confuses me a little bit. So it's it's a no and, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah. it's equivalent to a no and. And that's what's um, what's good about working with different in, 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 in coaches, improv coaches. Um, but I think commitment generally is, is 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 very important. I learned it a long time ago with singing when I was um, singing in bars in Liverpool a few years ago. I imagine um, um, one of them things at a, at a fun fair, at a circus, the fun fair with all the horses, and then you go around with yeah. all the horses going around. Now you can either jump on and keep one leg on the ground for safety and sort of halfway go around with it. Or you can jump on, fully on, grab the horns and totally commit yourself to the song. And I found that that helped me um, when I was doing that. And and it's the same with improv. You have to commit yourself, commit an open mind to the scene. It's funny they mentioned singing there because, you know, I've been singing for years and, you know, I, I trained in singing when I was younger and, and I've helped train uh, other people in singing for many, many years. And the first thing I will always say to a singer, no matter their age, I will say, I, I need to believe what you're singing. So you can be the most technically gifted singer in the world, but it means nothing if people don't believe you. I would much rather hear someone like Keris Matthews, for example, whose voice actively cracks and breaks at certain moments in the song compared to this classically trained singer who nails every note because I feel it from Keris Matthews. You know, it resonates yeah. with me and, and there's a passion there. There's a commitment. And I think it's the same with with improv. When someone is totally committed to that character, you are drawn into them. But yeah. when it's someone that is, they're doing everything, 
the way that they should be doing it, but they're not doing it with the feeling because they don't believe in the character that, that they're playing. It shows. Absolutely. You look at um, Frank Sinatra and Adele, they, they, they catch, they, they, you've got to tell a story. It's Each song is a story and you've got to tell it convincingly. You've got to have some singers will, will perform without any emotion. Like, like the guy who won um, The X Factor um, with um, Nisendorma, he sang that. And it was good. He, he, he hits every note, but it it was passionless. There was no yeah. passion in it. That, that, that song has to have you um, choking with tears by, by the end of it. And it just didn't happen. Um, bless him and everything. But it's really important, like you said, to get the emotion. To tell it, you've got to tell a story with each, with each song. Frank Sinatra was, was absolutely brilliant at it, and and Adele. I've listened to Adele lately. Not somebody normally I'd be into, but I'm into it because she really gets the emotion. Yeah, and someone like Adele writes from personal experience, and mm. that that can be important in music. My approach was always different. Uh, well, it still is different because I, I guess I. I can't really say I was a songwriter because I still am a songwriter. I still write things down here and there. Um, but there was a time where I was writing songs like constantly, like a day would pass and, and I've written several songs in a day at uh, one period in my life. And for me, I always felt like a song was a story. So even though people will listen to my songs and think that they're coming from a personal place, they're actually stories that I would create in my head and I would turn it into a song and I would think, okay, well, the person singing this is feeling the emotion. So whenever I would sing it, I would sing it with the emotion and people would always think, oh, that song is about personal experience to him. It wasn't. And if people ever ask me, oh, who was that about? All I would ever say is, who do you think it's about? Like, who were you picturing in your head? Because it's your story. So for me, I would want, I would want to give a performance where I was committed to it, but then I would want the audience to be as committed to it. So I would never specifically say, because my songs weren't specifically about anyone, they were stories and I wanted people to think, oh yeah, that's my song. That's about this. And that means this to me. And I never, ever wanted because i think when someone like adele does say oh yeah i'm writing about this breakup that i had the the connection that they did have with the audience changes slightly because then oh it's it's not about me it's it's about them i i empathize with it but it's not about me but i was always very specific even on the one or two occasions it was a, a personal song I, I still would never tell anyone because I wanted them to be committed to the words the same way that I was. Yeah, I, I've told you a few times, you, you, your, your songs are top draw, mates, definitely. And I've always said, haven't I, that you should do more with it. <laughs> yeah, you have, yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah, um, especially that, um, that thing you did in, uh, in Wales, in, in the Cafe Isola. You know? Oh, yeah. Uh, made up a song from information you got out of the... I don't know why we didn't do that at the hanky-panky, you know. Yeah, well, I, I guess just because we didn't have, like, speaker and stuff there, I, I, I guess I could do it in future, but... I think uh, you, could, you could do it with a guitar, with um, 
with um, um you, you play the guitar don't you i do play the guitar and i have done that in the past with children in, in lessons and things and yeah. yeah maybe maybe that's another avenue i should look at but i kind of like so i guess for people listening that don't know uh, a recent gig i did an improv song I've always been a musician and I've, I've always loved music and it's only the second time I've done this in an actual improv show where I get someone out of the audience, I give them a quick interview and then I sing a song about them and it's gone down very well the couple of times that I've done it and it's something I'm going to be doing a lot more of in future because it's it's the perfect mix of, of my talents really, the music and the improv. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but... And it was hilarious, but the one I saw. Ah, thanks. Fantastic. Uh, but you really have to commit to it so that you you can't phone in that performance because you've got someone from the audience and, you know, they've put their trust in you that this is going to be a good thing. I'm always very wary. To me, I really think a big difference between improv and comedy is an improv we're not there to shoot people down. You know, anytime I go to a comedy show, it's people being shot down from the beginning. The yeah. the comedians, they're used to hecklers. They get in there first. They shoot the audience down from the start. They set their stalls out. Uh, they diss the venue. They diss the people. And that's the nature of comedy. And that's fine. But that's why I'm not a comedian. That's why I'm an improviser. Because I love the positivity and bringing people up. And there's always apprehension about people getting up and being chosen for something like this. They, they don't know what's going to happen. Are they going to rip into me with this song? Is it going to be tough to take? Yeah. And, and I make sure that, no, it's going to be a positive experience and it, it's going to be something that they go away and reflect on and think positively about for years. And on this particular occasion, the girl that I sung to, she had a group of friends there. And I saw one of those friends recently when I was at the venue and he was saying how much they still talk about it. And now it's like a big in joke between them all. And they still sing bits of the song to her. And <laughs> brilliant. And I feel great that I've created that little that little thing for that little group of friends that will always be a shared memory and a shared joke between them all. And yeah, there was commitment to that. Now yeah, going back to the commitment and, and also I think just about the, the stand up and picking on people. You say that when you do stand up, you have to have authority on stage so you can be not not badly dealt with by a heckler. Whereas in improv, we don't need that authority at all. Yeah. It, it goes back to um to commitments, to committing yourself um to the song from the information that you get from the, the audience member. And it was fantastic, mate. <laughs> Thanks. There's a there's a couple of things in there. So I have been doing this basically my whole life, just making up songs on the spot. Yeah. Particularly in school with children, we've been doing it for years. And there's there's a couple of times where I don't even know if another line is gonna come out. Like my brain says, Oh, here's here's a fun thing, and then that will lead to that rhyme. But I don't know if anything's coming after that. <laughs> so that, that's what I mean about training the 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 creative side of the brain, you know, by doing this so so much and doing all the improv, doing it in spoken words and scenes, it's the tools are actually there to help you um, with the song. Scary thing to do, it would be for me. 
But I think you were brilliant, mate. It's absolutely fantastic. Well, I think that's the thing. It's very scary for me as well. Like, I know I can do it and I believe in myself, but that was all I was focused on that night. Until I had done it, it didn't matter what other game I was in. <laughs> I, I was I was slightly on edge until I had done the song because um, in that one, I guess also because I'm doing it by myself. I know I've got someone from the audience, but I didn't have the 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 safety net of another improviser that could catch me if I fell, you know? <laughs> and you were creating by yourself as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a nice link back to creating there because um, the girl I was singing to was sat on a chair and that's my next word, chairs. <laughs> <laughs> chairs are super important in improv. Yeah, definitely. Um, we've done a thing the other day Um with one chair sat up correctly and the and, and, and with two chairs, one chair sat up correctly and the other one laying on the floor. And we had to um we had to justify why one was laying on the floor. The exact same thing, um, two person scenes, and there must have been about six or seven, and the six or seven were all totally different and they were all created two chairs ah, which, yeah which was interesting you know yeah I think the weird thing about a chair is you know to anyone else it's just a chair but to us in improv it's it's like infinite amount of things yeah park bench um, driving lesson um, flying lesson two people in the cinema watching the film yeah or it, it's just a way to have your character tower over others for some reason because maybe you're not a person maybe you're an object but you're like a grandfather clock or something and it will give you extra height height yeah um, it, or, it, or, or the opposite to that if you wanted to be um, submissive, you could use the chair. Uh, you could use it. I used it once in um, to hide. It was one of the chairs where the back that you lean on were um, strips of wood, so you could look. They were almost like bars on it. On oh a yeah. So, so I remember using it that way once back in the um, in the fly and the loaf when we were there. But yeah, and an, an empty chair, an empty chair can can have an impact on the scene as well. One empty chair. Yeah, massively. Uh, so, to to some people, they're just chairs, but to us, they're everything. Because if you're in a play, like a standard play uh, you've learned your script and all that then there is a set then there's a backdrop and there's props and things and as improvisers we, we don't have that we have a blank canvas with the occasional chair so that chair <laughs> that chair is is everything i think or those chairs depending on maybe it's one maybe there's several chairs yeah. it's it is our prop it is our backdrop it is uh, whatever we want it to be or need it to be. Yeah. 
we can we can use them um, when we're painting a scene as well. They, they can, they're very handy for that as well if, if we're going to um, use our object work. We can all, all the, the, the chair could actually point us off in in a certain direction that, that we want to go. You know, um, this again goes back to chairs are creative <laughs> rather than you can use them to sit on or, or, or you can use them to be really creative. Yeah. So chairs, uh, there's a lot more to them than people think. Yeah. In some ways, a chair can be its own character. And that nicely links to our next word, which is characters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really strange because we keep talking about um, scripted plays. And then, you, you, as I say, you, you would read the, the play and see what other people say about you. And that's how you would... Uh, and you read what you say and do in the play, which will give you an idea of, of the character. I um, mean, improv, it's spontaneous. You have to get your character straight away. But what I've noticed now, if, if I was working in, um, in in a play and somebody said that, I would say, I would think initially, well, your character's superficial because you've got no background for it. Um, but that's not the case. We, we, we can build characters. What I've, learned, what I've learned is we can build characters right from nothing. From, from, from by reacting to a word that's said to us, by reacting to an attitude towards us, would give us an inkling. And once we get an inkling of, of the character that we want to play, then we can build that ourselves. And, and I find that you can, in fact, create a character from absolutely nothing um, spontaneously. And, and, and it's not detrimental to the character at all. I think, for me, what I love about character, I'm known for loving puns, but my favourite thing in improv is actually character and creating characters. I love changing my demeanour. I love changing my voice. I love thinking like somebody else. That's really what I love improv for, stepping out of being me, jumping into being Mm. several other people and just experiencing life in, in a different way for however long or short it might be. And... With character, as improvisers, every improviser is so clever and so talented. And a lot of people don't even realize that in that moment, whether you've created the character yourself or whether you've just been endowed with this character, I believe everyone's brain does this processing where, okay, I'm this character and you have a backstory for them, whether you know it or not. You know why the, this character is, is going to be sad if that happens or they're going to be happy if, if that word is said. We go with yeah. we go with it, we commit to it, and mm. there's so much going on in the background that we're not even aware of because when you create that character, that character did come from nothing, but instantly you know everything you need to know about them in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. We're going back to uh, everything we've talked about, I've noticed, we go back to commitment. We mentioned that in everything. It's just interesting, you know, 
if you if you commit might even be one of the most important things to commit to every every aspect of, of, of the improvisation of, of what you're going to do um because you, yeah we can it can be you can you can build a character by what's again what's said about you and it might be your scene partner that says you know might say oh look you're always so miserable you never smile but that that gives you a great insight into your character straight away yeah you know you just need to commit yourself to that it goes back to the word um commitment yet again i remember this great scene during the height of the pandemic and i was in a scene with two other improvisers and i didn't speak for the entire scene and that became the game of the scene that i wasn't going to speak um but everything that the other two were saying about me was fuel for me to react and change the way i looked the way i was moving so i was just reacting to what was being said but that character is is one i've never forgotten because it was one of the most enjoyable scenes i've done and i didn't say a word well that's interesting because i was hoping that this would come up um, at some stage in the conversation about um the, the the lack of words in the scene i i think one one improviser julie ing i think her name is ing could be hinge um she's absolutely i, I did an off the wall with her she stepped forward i stepped she didn't say anything she just kept looking at me through the side of, 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 her, of her eyes so I met her and did the same. And it must have been 15, 20 seconds, which is a long time for, for somebody to step forward and not speak. And then she, she said, hello, Bob. And the place was in absolutely uproar of laughter. You know, <laughs> now if we would have walked on and she said immediately, hello, Bob, it would have been nothing. I would have said, well, I, I know my name's Bob and I would have reacted and committed to it. <laughs> Because I committed to her silence, Hello Bob became absolutely hilarious. And um, another thing I've done with Julie was um, a thing called, you probably know it, Poets Corner. Oh, yeah. Then Julie was the poet and I was the, the host. And for some reason, I don't know why, I, um, I took on the character of someone that's been doing Poets Corner for years and years and years and is absolutely fed up with rubbish <laughs> poetry um, on the show. So I start off saying, um, welcome to episode 9,862. <laughs> and I had a real attitude towards her being a rubbish poet and then um, the two improvisers behind um, reciting awful poetry one word at a time. And um, she didn't confront me about it. You know, she, she left that building. She built it with me. What she did was uh, was um, with the facial expressions rather than... She could at any stage said, you think I'm rubbish, don't you? How dare you? But she never, and she let it build. And it was ended up being a really funny scene. And then, thankfully, on Monday, we have um, Helena Jang, who's going to take the, the drop-in. She's um, a South Korean improviser who's doing a tour of Europe at the moment, and she's going to do a session on um, 
or not talking in scenes. Yeah, Doing well, the I, scene without talking. I'm excited to get to talk to her about all this. Now, I can't attend that session, which uh, is sad because uh, it's just not feasible for me to get there on the day. But she's actually staying at my house for a few days, so I'm oh, going to be able to have lots of chats about everything uh, improv related. Excellent. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah I find it because, it, again, again, it goes back to, to the word commitment. You step forward into a scene, you want to commit to it, so you want to speak. It, it's the most natural thing. And sometimes I think we fear, um, we fear the silence. We think, oh, man, it's gone quiet. Um, I've got to jump in here with something. Because in, in life, if I said something to you that shocked you, you mightn't, if you were in shock, I mean, really shocked you, um, you might want to say any words. You might want to portray that shock in, a, in another way in real life. And, 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 and not just, I must speak with words. And I think those things can be missing sometimes from improv scenes because all of us um, fear it's, it may be going wrong if there's a silence. And that's why I'm really looking forward to, to Helena's um, um, sessions on Monday. Yeah, I guess in some respects, good improvisers are like good friends because... If you were the good friend, there is no awkward silence. There's just comfortable silence. Yeah. And if, you, if you're good improvisers in a scene, then again, there's no awkward silence. There's just yeah. silence, comfortable silence. I think I've spoke before on one of the podcasts about Stuart. Stuart Mildred. Stuart Hughes. Stuart Hughes, yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he, I'm very comfortable with him. I know that I can relax and there can be the silences. And I've done a, a couple of um, off the walls with him that we haven't had many words at all. Yeah, I I think there's, there's loads of people that I have had the pleasure of uh, sharing the stage with and saying nothing or saying very little. And in fact, one of the games I quite like to play is like three line teen where you're only allowed there's different mm. versions of it so there's a version where there can only be three lines full stop between the people in the scene or there's a version where you, you each get three things to say and you get to pick like where you say those things right oh um, i haven't played that one. but yeah i like and there are actually games that work really well with children I don't know why. It's just one that really resonates with children. I think. I think particularly um, children, certainly teenagers. It gives them that opportunity to to not worry about speaking and just focus on what they're doing. And yeah, I've seen that work really well with teenagers. Well, it works really well with everyone that does it. But I have seen it work very well with teenagers. Well, well I think what we need to do. What we do when we improvise, basically, we're playing, aren't we? We're, we're playing a game. Uh, even even with actors on, on, on in the West End, they're playing, they're playing a part. It's play, and I think the best people that play are children. They really talk about again going back to commitments. 
I remember babysitting them going back years now. Um and there was, I was babysitting at a lad, he was um six or seven, and his mate was around and they were playing and I was watching television. And um Carlo, I was minding, he was at the bottom of the stairs and he was talking to his mate and he was firing a ray going off to were playing some, some kind of alien game. And I looked at the clock and the force is this time for his mate to go home now. And I said, Carl, your mate's got to go now. Um, he's going to walk. He's only a few doors down. He's going to walk into his house. And he goes, oh, Carl's gone. Um, he's, he's gone. My, my friend's gone. I said, no, he's got to go. I went and he had gone. He, he, wasn't, up the, he wasn't at the top of the stairs. Carl was just pretending that he was. But the commitment made me really, and I'll never forget it. I thought, that's what you need to tap into as an actor or an improviser is is that commitment commitment again that commitment you know that belief in what you're doing yeah because he, he was he was he was there he was having chats so so natural conversations <laughs> with them you know and and he'd gone he wasn't even there again that's a commitment yeah. Well, <laughs> well, our next word um, is contrasts. Hmm. Contrasts. Hmm, that's an interesting one. Contrasts. Um, you got me stumped with this one. <laughs> well, to me, I I enjoy the contrast of emotion, for example. So. Let's say it's a short form game like emotional support group where yeah. pe- people are going through the contrasting emotions. I love seeing improvisers on that journey. Oh, they're really upset one minute. They're really excited the next. They're really angry oh, the next. Yeah. Um, or yeah. in a scene, let's say it's a slightly more long form scene and there is one person reacting to something one way and another person with a really contrasting emotion or oh, this scene is a really deep emotional scene. But then the yeah. next scene, in contrast, is is a nice, yeah. fun, happy scene. So I think the word contrast, it can mean so many things. Yeah, like a, a variety a variety of, um, of emotions. Um, yeah, I think it's what makes the scenes interesting. If it was all... Completely, one hundred percent yes, and it would be hard, hard to build something interesting. But with the contrasts, I think there will always be contrasts. Um, the fact that you've got two people speaking to each other in one way is a um, is a contrast. But I like it more like um, like variety, like that game of um, where you change swap emotion. Uh, but that's always been hilarious whenever I've seen anybody doing that. It's always quite funny because to see them take on and, and to see how differently the, somebody, uh, two or three improvisers, might, might want to portray anger or something. Sometimes they can be completely different types of anger rather than just impersonating what the other actor did when when the improviser did when they were doing the um the emotion yeah definitely so contrast comes from the style of the performer as well there's yeah 
you know, there's there's no sort of improviser the same from the next, and we could all be given exactly the same prompt, and we would all deal with it differently. Some of us might be a bit more similar to others. Uh, for example, sometimes when we're playing pun games and you get given a word, sometimes someone steps forward and says a pun, and you're like, "Oh, that's exactly oh, the same one I was going to say." Whereas, <laughs> whereas other people wouldn't have thought of that one. So there are some people that are just on similar wavelengths and others that are on completely different wavelengths. Yeah. And yes, that variety that can only be, can only be good. Really. Yeah. Well, the next word is community. And I think a contrast of styles and contrast of people help to make a really great community. Yeah, it's 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 quite diverse um, of personalities and um, and and personas, and, and and which is like the Oikos is a great mix of people. I think personally, yeah. um, broken chair. Maybe it's all of them. I'm just they're just the ones that, that I know well. I know the Oikos. I know broken chair, and I think I think that's it. I, I've only seen. Um, Glossop online. I haven't seen them live. I look forward to seeing them live at the um, the, the Liverpool Festival. But it is uh, just a, a, a great mix of, of individuals that come together to create, which is, um, again, which is exciting, I find. Yeah, so I think there's just the sense of community, like, that exists at LCI massively. That, that's why... Yeah. That's why I was so attached to it when I discovered it instantly. I was like, wow, it's a community full of people like me. And I think that's what that's what's important, finding a community of people like you. And by that, I don't mean everyone is the same as me because that's what's great about improv. We're all different. We all come from different walks of life. But I've said it a few times. It was the first time I went somewhere and I felt like, oh, I genuinely fit in here. I'm, I'm not yeah. trying to fit in and sort of mold a version of me that fits in to mm. the situation like I am everywhere else. I was like, oh, yeah, improv. This is the place for me. And I love that sense of community. And that's what I'm constantly trying to build with this podcast. This podcast has a community. We've got a community of regular listeners. I'm not putting this podcast out there trying to change the world and, and trying to get like millions of downloads I'm, I'm putting a show together that i'm passionate about talking to people that i love about things that i love and those that listen tend to keep coming back and, and listening again because they feel part of, of the community the lci drop-in sessions the creator community are for people they know oh i can just go and do that and I don't have to commit to it. When I've got time, I can go. Or they go and do the the set classes. Oh, 10 weeks. They know that that's their little community for 10 weeks. That's how the Oikos started. We did yeah. various sessions of, of um, eight to 10 week courses together. And then our community is still going strong. It's the model it's that- Same with Broken Chair. Broken Chair, they did um, a long form course and then formed their group from there. Yeah, 100%. It's the same model that Seki and I used when setting up Flinch and Funnybone. We, we, we're tr trying to create a community. We're not trying to create a school. It's just a place yeah. where improv happens and it's a fun environment. And we welcome people to come and just watch. 
every other week when we run a session. It's not just there for people to come and play. It's there for people to come and watch. It's a cafe. They can come and sit and have a drink and enjoy what, what we're doing. So it's, it's all about, it's all about community, I think. Yeah, well, one of the good things I like about LCI, and I've seen, I'm sure I've seen you mention this at all, by you I mean Finch your funny bone, is that new people can go along. So when I go to drop-in, I've been to some drop-ins where they say you have to have so much experience before you can attend, which is fine, you know, because they want to maybe explore things a bit more advanced, which is great. You know, that's okay. But I like um, LCI. You'll see people come and they'll, they'll never come again. Um, you'll see people come and they feel as though they feel, it's what they wrongly feel, that they've been awful, but you see them develop and get more confidence. And it's great. It's, it's a bit like, like an improv farm where we, we can take people that have never, never done improv and have no idea what it is. And it's great to see them develop as well, you know, to, to understand the yes and, and, and the commitment um, and to, to, to go and step forward with absolutely nothing in your mind, to see them develop into that and, and into really fine improvisers. It's, it's really great. It's one of the, the things that I really do like about it. And something that I've noticed, certainly in my experience uh, with LCI, when I was doing a lot of the the online stuff through the pandemic, I've experienced it with Glossop Improv, who I regularly do things with, and with Flincher Funnybone, who I regularly do things with. It's that when you do get a new person or new people turn up to a session, those regulars that are coming that might be expecting certain things to happen are so okay with making that session about making the new person comfortable and you might change your idea of oh yeah tonight we were going to look into this and and, and go and try these sort of quite complex uh, advanced techniques but all of a sudden you've got new people and it all becomes about let's make sure that these people are welcome and that they are comfortable to be here and uh, that it's a positive experience for them brilliant yeah i love that like um, improv farms, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I think during like Emma dealt with that really well during the pandemic because there were loads of people coming to improv mm. that had never done it before because they were just seeking any kind of interaction and improv yeah. was starting to get really big and then people were just turning up and no one really knew what to expect. And, you know, I, I would sit in a lot of those sessions because I was in the majority of them and I would watch how Emma would deal with mixing all of these people together. These people that have been doing it so much and, and want want more, but also catering for these constant new people that are filtering in, filtering in, trying to make them all feel comfortable. And like that whole time I was learning. I, I was watching how it all played out. I was watching how Emma would deal with things. And, you know, I've learned so much from Emma, from LCI. And, you know, I'm incredibly grateful for the lessons that I've learned because it's helping me to build strong, positive communities. Excellent. Uh, now, the next word is something that I know that we love, but some people say it's not about that. And the word is comedy. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the, the clues in the title, Liverpool Comedy Improv, LCI. Um, I thought you were going to say puns then. Uh, well, it's part of comedy, isn't it? Yeah. I, I think um, 
Yeah, I mean, I've been to other sessions uh, outside of LCI, uh, online, particularly on Zoom, and presumed we were looking for the comedy things because I've only known comedy improv. That's, that's all I've done with Emma. And um, some of them were, some of them were quite heavy, um, quite emotionally um, heavy. Um, and I think, I think I prefer comedy, especially in short form. Um, I, I'm asked, I've asked Emma a few times now, and she is considering it, that she can get the people together of doing another long-form course. Because that's what we were doing when the um, when the, the the disease came along. What was it? The um, the COVID. The COVID. Yeah. The pandemic, oh. and that's when we had to stop that course, which which was a shame. Because uh, we, we were doing um, scenes that were less comedic and a bit more more dramatic, which again, Emma was fairly good at. But I think. Um, I think comedy would attract the the audience more, the listener. You know, it, it's a responsibility when we ask somebody to give up their Saturday night, you know, to um to come and see us, um, go for a meal, and then go home. And it's good if if we can entertain them, um, with a laugh. Yeah, I think you know the laughter is the bridge because. There is some improv that is incredible, but mm. it could be very niche and it's for a very niche type of audience. Yeah. But on, on the broader scale, we want we want people to just have a good time and laughter is quintessentially sort of people having a good time. And I've heard people sort of preach it's not about comedy. It's not oh, about yeah. it's not about trying to be funny. But my argument is we don't go into it trying to be funny. Some people are just actually naturally quite funny, and if you give them the opportunity, they will they will make you laugh. Not be, not because they've been practicing jokes and they're going to throw this joke in there and that joke in there, but because yeah. they can react in the moment yeah. and they can come up with a one liner or they can come up with a funny situation using a character, and it's in the moment and it's. It's genuine. In in some ways, it's more genuine. Like I love comedians, but if you let's say, like I love, I adore Tim Vine. Now, if I go yeah, to see, right. if I go to see a Tim Vine show, like I went to see Tim Vine a few years back, I was actually in physical pain afterwards. I didn't stop laughing <laughs> from start to finish. Yeah. I, I actually, my sides were hurting. My stomach was hurting because it had been so tense because I was yeah. laughing. But yeah. if I went to see, I was like, if I was like, oh, that was so good. I want to, I want to go see Tim Vine again. While he's on that tour, it's actually the same show every time. So yeah, yeah it's great, but it, it's not what improv is because if you like sort of the natural comedy that improv can give you, then you can go and watch that group or that person, or however it, whatever the format is, and yeah. every single time, you're being entertained and you're laughing and you're laughing at new things. It's it's constantly yeah. new and often, you know, short form. We love short form. We play a lot of short form games, and 
there's perhaps a lot more opportunities to make people laugh because the games are actually kind of set up that way. And that's another thing. Like a lot of these people that preach and say it's not about being funny, they're all long form, long form practitioners or long form teachers. And in some ways, short form doesn't get the respect it deserves because through the short form comes the comedy. And comedy for me, that's my favorite thing about improv because I love to laugh. I've always loved to laugh. I love to make people laugh and I love when people make me laugh. And I think it is the best medicine. Yeah, but I I watch stuff on YouTube and I I can be in aesthetics because I'm watching other people laugh. I think it's, it's, uh, it's contagious. Really, and it connects everybody, you know, laughter. If you're going to take that responsibility of giving somebody a Saturday night out, then you're on a good footing with showing them a good time because laughter um, connects all of us, uh, 99.9% with the odd, um, and I mean odd exception, you know. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I I tried um, stand-up. I've done two two sessions, two gigs, and I felt really guilty saying the same things the second time as I said the first time. It was really weird. I, I, I felt like I was um, I was cheating, I was, like somebody would shout, you did that last time. <laughs> you said that's <laughs> your last time. We bought new jokes. Um, but that's what you do, you know. You would have to do about maybe... 10, 15, 20 gigs to hone what you're doing. And you would do that generally with, with the same um, gags, you know, maybe one or two new, new you could add one or two new ones. Um, but basically, it would be, would be the same. And I, I didn't fancy that, to be honest. I didn't fancy going off to do something that many times that I wasn't that keen on, even though it went kind of well. The first one particularly, um, that's something that I wasn't really keen on. I'd rather do improv. I'd rather have, um, and I think of being on your own as well. Again, I'd rather be committing to other people that are around me. But, you know, I think comedy is, um, it's a medicine. And and it is definitely a medicine. There's some stupid, I watch a thing on YouTube called Bushman. And it's about some man disguised as a plant, a bush, <laughs> sits in a little bingo, and he woo, and he jumps up and scares people. And it's always it's edited, so it's one after the other. And so if I watch it for an hour, I've got an hour of people being frightened and then laughing, and everybody around them laughs as well. So I'm watching an hour's worth of people in the community laughing and even making a connection. You know, because yeah. normally they would all have walked down the street um, without even paying any any attention to each other. But because this incident happens, they all join a little and have a laugh. So it's quite a, it's quite interesting. Although it sounds silly and a stupid thing to do, it's actually quite. A, I think it connects people that wouldn't normally connect, and it can be quite. Um, well, I find it absolutely hilarious. <laughs> I saw a post from Carla Dingle um, this morning, and it was about uh, oh something along the lines of like how many times have you said to someone that you do improv, and they've said, "Tell me a joke." Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. So, so for me, for years, you know, 
even before I was fully into improv, I've always sort of been known as a bit of a joker, particularly in school and children have always uh, enjoyed my silliness. And people would often be like, oh, Mr. Jones, tell us a joke. And I'm like, I I don't just walk around with like a, like, like a Rolodex of jokes in my head. That's not how it works. But I've actually recently uh, started doing this with my class where they'll be like, oh, tell us a joke, sir. I will actually give them a joke, but on the spot. So I'll just turn it into a pun game. I will just say, okay, give me a word. And then I will make a joke based on the word. So I don't have anything prepared, but I'll just say, right, give me an object. And then uh, they're fascinated that I can give them a joke just based on the object. Excellent. Uh, so yeah, if you are listening and you're a comedian or an improviser and people say to you, give us a joke, just say, well, give me an object and then just make it up because you do it all the time. <laughs> Uh, so moving on from comedy, the next thing I've got written down here is to check in with your scene partner or just a check in in general uh, at the start of a session. I find the best way for me what really works about checking in is is the warm up. Sometimes I can go to LCI and I'll sit there particularly. Um, when I first started, and I think, am I really into this? Have I got to get up now and be silly? Um, uh, am I in the mood? And then after the warm-up, where we all be, we all get up together and be silly, then I, I find that, that that puts me in a frame of mind where then I can get up on my own or with, one, with another scene partner and, and be silly. That, that's, all, that's always helped. Yeah, I think, you know, the chance to check in, it can be different for different people. And I've experienced where some people use a check-in like therapy and it can get pretty deep. I'm like, whoa, we're all here for a good time. And all of a sudden, it kind of got awkward. So I think there's a certain amount of boundaries need to be explained when you're checking in with people. You know, this is what we're we're here for. We're, we're here for this good time. Um so there are certain issues perhaps that don't need to enter this space. Do you know what I mean by that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like that. Um, Emma does that every, um, at the beginning of every session. Um, and it's quite good. It, it creates um, a, a safe environment, a comfortable and relaxing environment in which to work. Um, it doesn't always work. We get Sometimes you get some people who are fairly new, who don't stay, really. And, and that's very few who um, who just don't get it. There was one argument with Emma a, a, a few weeks ago. Um, he made a suggestion for something, um, and Emma said, oh, no, let's, let's not do that. And he went, oh, my God, it's improv. We just make it up no matter what it is. But that's because he was fairly new and he hadn't got into the, the aspects. But after the beginning, she'll say, you know, um, it's this thing about punching down, isn't it? Um, yeah. Don't punch down and punch up, which has been going around for... I, I, I heard that long before I went to Wimprov. There was a documentary about a, a comedian that got um, that got cancelled. I forget his name now. Little tiny eyes he has, and he's just too right wing. Um, 
So he got cancelled. And now he's made the comeback. Now there's a club in London. Um, I forget the name of it. Um, Comedy Unleashed, it's called. Right. And it's where you can, as long as, it, as, as long as it's funny, inverted commas, then you can tell the joke. And I watched about three minutes of it before they turned it off. There was a fella called Frank Sinatra, which is a, a Nazi Frank Sinatra. Right. In the words that that's life, um, which was just purely, not only was, was it, was it um, in bad taste, it just wasn't funny. To me, it just wasn't wasn't funny at all. And I think um, I think it's good when we all check in, when we check in together, and, and we we consolidate what the um, what what the what the what the session is going to be like. You know what the atmosphere is going to be like. Um, what the environment's going to be like. And it's important to make that safe and supportive for everybody so everybody can play, you know. Going back to playing when you're a child, um, you will play a lot better when the school bully isn't in the game, you know, where you've got a safe environment. And that's what we create, we want, we need to create as adults, I, I think, you know, um, to be to to be adults about being children. That's what we need to do. <laughs> to be adults about being childish, but to be adults about it. Um and, and connecting that way. But so, sometimes it's my energy that's low. Um and sometimes I feel do I want to be silly in front of people? Actually, that happens every morning when I wake up. When I first get up, uh, I think oh, I can't do this. This is ridiculous i'm making a fool of myself and, and it, it's it, i'm so on top of it now that i still think it but i can dismiss it in a second i go are well, you doing that early morning thing again give it a couple of hours you think no i can't wait for him for tonight <laughs> you know yeah so no you know yeah i sometimes think like if i didn't have a job to go to like I would probably be pretty miserable because I often wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh, why am I getting up? I don't want to do this. I just want to stay here. But you're forced to get up because you need to go and get the, get the yeah. money from doing your job. And then yeah. by the time you come home, you sort of, even if you've had a hard day, you're like, oh, well, I'm actually pleased I got up and I achieved a lot today. Whereas yeah. Yeah. when I get days where I don't have to get up and do something, I will often sort of think, I actually really just wasted that day. Like, I didn't really achieve yeah. anything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, checking in, I think it can help. It, it helps set boundaries. It, it helps people understand what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. Yeah. And sometimes, so we always do something, Seki and I, when we're doing a flinch funny bone. And a lot of the time, we're the same people uh, or like different different connotations of this, the same people but we always start with names we just go around and we say what our name is yeah. and sometimes we'll add something to it but then it always finishes with so if i said hey I, i'm ian everyone just says hi ian and then we just move on and i just think that even just connecting just reaffirming our names with everyone because i think that sets a baseline of oh i'm comfortable enough to tell you who I am and to be here 
uh, you know, we're on first name terms and that means something now. So even if it's just that, because I won't go too much into it now, I'll save it for another episode, but warm-ups in general, I'm not a fan of, but <laughs> checking in, just, uh, just knowing, oh yeah, this space is here. It's a safe space and we, we can, we should all feel comfortable to be here. I think that's important. And also gives a, a little insight, like, like what Jen, Jen Hardy will do. And, and even Emma, she'll say, okay, say your name. And um, if you're, if today you've had today was an animal, what animal would that be? Yeah. Um, so every, that gives a little, a little, just a little insight in, in, into people um, as well as their name. Yeah. Or if, if you were a weather system today, what weather system would you be? Because yeah, yeah. it helps you understand where people are coming from that day, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 We do that a lot. And all of this links nicely to our next word as well, because our next word is culture. And all of this is really a part of a culture, isn't it? But most definitely. Um, particularly with the way we, um, I don't want to use the word manipulate, the way we form um, the environments of the sessions that we have. It's, it's, it's quite a, it's a cultural move to, to have those things at the beginning of the session. We're going to make it a safe, a safe place to make those commitments that we're not going to punch down and that we're not going to offend anybody, that we're not going to use negative stereotypes, plenty of stereotypes in the scenes. You know, um, when you say, oh, this fellow's a, a, a coal miner or, or this fellow's a surgeon, you're going to know what kind of this, because the stereotypes exist, but some stereotypes are nasty and horrible. And I think when we, we do that, all, all the things we've only we just spoken about, then it, it creates, that, that, that is a building block in, in creating the, the culture. Uh, and it's a very defined culture in, in in the improv community, and I think it's um, I think it's not only is it very defined, I think it's very clear. I think, which is why when I go onto um, some um, forums, of um, I'm surprised at the way some improvisers react to things and and the, the language that they use. Uh, but I think here, particularly in um, from what I've experienced, it's it's um, it's a very good, very healthy culture. Yeah, and I think the best cultures are often the cultures that are accepting of other cultures. You know, there's there's yeah. lots of there's lots of people out there that are like, no, this is the only way to do it. My way is the best way. I've been doing it for this many years and I've had this training and that training. And uh, so everything I'm telling you is the best way to do it. And if anyone else is doing it different, then uh, they're doing it wrong. You should only yeah, do it wrong. my way. And I think that's a very negative culture because people should feel like they can go to classes here, go to drop-ins there and, you know, really go around. And I, I think it's healthy when and um, different places can exist together. Like Liverpool Comedy Improv exists on one side of a river, over the other side of a river. We have Flinch and Funnybone and we're friends and we're not, we're not fighting against each other. We're friends. Glossop Improv is just up the road and, you know, we're all in this together. Yeah. Yeah. 
and that's good culture. Yeah, that is good culture. Um, and even I would go as I think it stretches out even beyond there. I think um, Glossop because it's it, it's probably the same people in some respects, isn't it? Like you and you and um, Seki are, are in Glossop and, and Sandra, I think as well. Yeah, and we sort of spread all around, and it and it, it's it's like a spider's web of community of um, of improvisers, you know, and casting a, a, a safety net um, culturally. Um, upon the infra community, there will be exceptions, you know. Um, to the people that want to, some groups will think, well, you know, I'm the god of improv and we do it this way, um, and, or I won't be your friend, even. And that, that probably exists somewhere, I imagine. Um, but certainly, um, in Liverpool and in um, Flintshire and in Glossop, I think it's, um, I think it's extremely healthy and something really enjoyable. And I really look forward to the um, to the Liverpool Festival so I can watch them live for the first time, you know. Yeah. And things like the, the Liverpool Improv Festival, Liverpool Improvisation Festival, um, that is bringing lots of people together that haven't necessarily like we've talked about how you know there's lots of people that do lci that do flinch and funny bone that do gloss up and we're all sort of intertwined and at the same time there's there's way more beyond like this this is our little world it's definitely yeah. the world that i'm in i know that there's so much more out there and i'm excited to experience other things i've, I've been fortunate enough to to go and perform uh on improv nights in different places a, a little while back i went up to lead one night uh, with glossop improv and we we performed there and i got to meet people from bristol and from oh, from the leeds area and and i could see oh yeah you know the things that i love about my little area these things are happening in other areas and you could see the camaraderie with the with the people yeah. that were coming with the different groups and i was like yeah if you if you create that community and it's got the the right culture, then we can all exist in our own little pockets, but equally we can be one big global yeah. uh, society as well, I guess. Absolutely. I'd love to do that. In fact, I'm, I'm going um, at the end of the April to the British International Improv which is in Stoke-on-Trent, and the, the people coming from um, from Europe, mainland Europe, and from everywhere, all parts of Britain. So that would be interesting to for me to meet um, people outside of, of this um, immediate um, community. I'm looking forward to that, and um, and that's happening just after the um, the Liverpool Festival. So yeah, yeah. So this. Are you talking about uh, British Improv Project? Yeah, that's called? it. Yeah. yeah. I remember, I, so I first heard about that in the very early days of this podcast when I had Jen Kenny on and she yeah. mentioned it there because it's something that she's been involved with for years. And now I follow its post and I, and I know lots of people that have been and love it. For me, it's one of those things where it just always seems to fall at times where either the, the tickets all get released when I got no money or the dates get announced when I've already got plans on that thing. But I, I would love to get to one at some point. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. Um, 
I've paid for it now. It's all paid up. <laughs> so um, it's all gone very quiet, though. I haven't heard anything. But I think there's a there's a Zoom meeting on Saturday, but it's Saturday the twenty second, which is the Liverpool um, festival. Oh, day. Yeah. That's the only problem. But I'll try and join that if I can. But well, 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 um, I know Jen's going. And um, Liz is going as well. Um, and Charlie, Charlie's going too. Yeah, uh, all staples of LCI. Yeah, so we're going to invade. Be well represented. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, even with the the festival, that's kind of come at a busy time for me because I'm going to the Philippines for a couple of weeks and then I'm coming back into a new term of school and I'm teaching things that are brand new because we've had a complete overhaul of the education system here in Wales and we've got parents evenings all thrown into this crazy period of time so I'm going to be there but yeah I don't know what state I'll be in (laughs) (laughs) but things just you're performing with um gossip on you yeah, so I'm performing with Gossip. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to to just be there and, and, and meet Mark and see all of the different groups that are part of it. So it's yeah. going to be exciting. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when it comes to putting on a show or a festival, yeah. the next word I've, I've got to talk about here, we've only got a couple more words left, but the next one is, <laughs> is something that I think actually a lot of people don't consider, but it's actually a really difficult skill to do it well and it is to be a compare to compare a show is really really tough and i think it's something that people don't even really think about too much they go to a show someone is hosting the show and everything runs smoothly but it is it is a difficult thing to do well it is and i find it extremely difficult which is one of the the, the reasons why I, I tried stand up, <clears throat> uh, even in the game one six eight, I find it stepping forward. I'm speaking directly to the audience. I, I find I always find that difficult. I at, I just hosted a game on um, on on Saturday night at the Hanky Panky gig, and I messed that up completely because of nerves. I, it was very simple what I had to explain, which was um, oh, I forget the name of the game now. Um, was it phraseology? Oh, that's it. Thank you. And um, phraseology, and I, I had I had it written down, so I seen it physically. I, I read it in the form. I know that now. It's going to be so simple. If you remember, I had to turn to you and ask you, um, what, are the, what, what did they have them to? <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was nerves, and it, it is hard. And to, to to host the whole evening, I would find I I, I would not be ready. Um, I wouldn't be ready to do that, to be honest. Um, I think I'll host a few more individual games and try and practice <laughs> that way. But it is, you're absolutely right, it is. It, it, it is very... Some people might be able to do it naturally. You know, you get people that are natural to certain things. Probably your teaching, you've been doing it for years, I suppose. Oh, yeah. But you would be surprised at the amount of teachers that could not compare something and don't even like public speaking, which baffles me. Like, teachers 
I would say maybe 90% of teachers don't actually enjoy public speaking. And I'm like, that's literally your job. Wow. And, they'll, and they'll say, oh, it's different when you're doing it to children. I'm like, not really, because children are just people. Uh, yeah. So it fascinates me. Like I do things like sports day. We have sports day in school. And I have been like the compare for sports day ever since I've worked in schools because it yeah. was just it, it just seemed like a natural fit. Like me on a microphone, I absolutely love it and in fact i always say there is a power to holding a microphone yeah like i I will happily compare like improv shows and things without a microphone but if you give me a microphone it does something to me it it creates this persona within me and i thrive on it i i actually used to compare shows like people would book me to compare shows in theaters like i dance shows um comedy shows all sorts of different things and for uh, quite a long time as well i worked for a wrestling company i was a a ring announcer so i was i was welcoming people to the show i was announcing the wrestlers to the ring i was announcing the winner i was hyping the crowd during uh, certain parts of the show I was sending everyone home I love it I love comparing and I love I love the fact that it, it's so important but at the same time there's still a lot of improv involved because I'm not one of those people that will have all of my cues written down I'm just going to read off the cards I'll just be in the moment and, I, and I'll yeah. speak whatever comes to my mind and you know I I really love doing it, but I've also noticed, for example, that Seki's really good at being a compare. So yeah. I let her do things. I'll sort of take a step back and let her do it because I can see that she enjoys it as well. And I think if someone enjoys something, they should get the opportunity to do it. Yeah. Whereas some people, the idea of actually being the, the host of a show, it scares them. Like Emma's yeah. an incredible compare, you know? Yeah. She she does all the right things she says all the right things and she, she hits every beat you know so that's in person and sort of online because com- being the compare for an online thing that's something completely different again yeah i would i would find it impossible to um now at this moment to compare to compare a whole um a whole show um i did i did i did it all i did it once um, when I was 17 or 18, there was a charity thing on, and I, I compared the show, and it was, I just said, um, I was terrible at it, I think. I did do a joke, I remember the joke I did. I said, now, now for the next act, and I took a, a piece of paper out of my pocket to read who it was. And I said, if you don't leave my wife or oh, sorry, wrong piece of paper. <laughs> And then um, I remember the band had been on, and um, they went back, they finished, they went backstage. It was like one of them school halls with like the, the, the scene stage and then a curtain. And I went to them and said, Do you want an encore? And they said, We don't know, go and ask them. So I went back up and went, do you want an encore? They all went, yeah. I went back and went, he said yes. <laughs> I was only 17. I wasn't even sure if I knew what encore meant. I just remembered that now. That was something I'd actually forgotten. Well, I remember my very first opportunity to be a compare was when I was, I was either 17 or 18. It depended on what point of that year that it fell. Uh, but I went to... Yale College in Wrexham, 
uh, not mm. to be mistaken with the Yale College in yeah. America. America. <laughs> uh, in fact, there was a lawsuit at some point, so it's not called Yale College of Wrexham <laughs> anymore. Um, it's called College Cambria. But I studied performing arts there. I left high school after my GCSEs, yeah. and I studied performing arts as as a triple threat. I did uh, music, drama, and dance. And the music at the end of every year, like the music team department put on a show called Bandemonium. And the first year, I really enjoyed the first year. Basically, if you were in a band, you could just put your name forward and it was just a, just a concert for the night. And you could be in multiple bands because there were bands we were part of as part of our course. There were bands that we were in outside of school. There were things that we would work on specifically for the show. Some of the lecturers would be in some of the performances with us because maybe you're in a band, but you don't have a drummer and the lecturer can drum. So they drum for you. It was really cool. And the end of the second year, we were coming up to Bandemonium and one of the lecturers had said, look, we're going to do it and we we need someone to sort of piece it all together and, and host all of the acts in between. It can be multiple people if you want, but it's up to you guys. And literally nobody wanted to do it. All anyone wanted to do was be in a band and showcase how great they were with their music. Right. Yeah. But I was like, I'll give it a go. I'm actually really interested in that. So I was doing loads of different things with the bands, but I was also the host of the the show. So I was like 17, 18. And at the time, I, I, I was very, very focused on making sure that I did read notes. So it was my first time doing it. I went to every single act and I said, look, I'm going to be introducing you. What is it you want me to tell people? So I gave everyone an opportunity to write me like little bits. Some of them wrote me maybe a couple of sentences. Some of them wrote me basically like a scroll. And some of them were just like, some of them gave me nothing. They were like, yeah, we'll call this. That's it. That's all you need to know. We formed last week. <laughs> so, uh, but that was my first opportunity. And I, I bet if I was to watch that back now, it would be terrible. But it was that first opportunity for me to see, oh, this is a thing that exists. Yeah, that I think I can do. And then... And enjoy. Yeah, and then as the years went by, people started to think, oh, Ian can do that kind of thing. Hey, will you do this? Yeah. Uh, bingo calling. At one point, I, I was uh, regularly doing uh, bingo nights for somewhere because I could call the balls well. <laughs> that's not easy, is it? <laughs> no, no, that's not easy either. And, oh, crikey, old old bingo ladies, they, oh my they God. give you a, a right tough time. Yeah, I, I, I did it once in the community centre. And I did things like, um, you know, you say two fat ladies and, and there's 22 is two ducks. I would say yeah. things like um, uh, a fat lady taking a duck for a walk, 82. <laughs> uh, and then I started quite foolishly started going um, one in six. 24. <laughs> I was nearly lynched. <laughs> and that was bingo in the community centre. Just, <laughs> just as we got to talk about bingo, there's a story I always share if I talk about bingo. So someone that I used to work with at some point went on a hen do and they went yeah. to, I think it was a Mecca bingo somewhere. Yeah. And somebody had a heart attack and died 
whilst playing, but all of the so it was basically there was an old woman she passed away mid game and all of her friends around her didn't say a word until they'd reached the end of the game just in case they oh would <laughs> well do you know do you know what <laughs> that is just do you know the other night on wednesday i went to see emma's play at the world court and um, bingo star yeah um, great she upgraded our seats and everything we had the table in front of us and everything it was really great but there were two um women who were muttering to each other through the now in the, during the before at three stages during the performance they have a, a bingo game and you're given a bingo card when you first go in there and you yeah. can win 50 quid you know um three three games of bingo so um after the third and final game of bingo these two women one was quite elderly one not so elderly got up and walked out and as he walked past our table he said it is it's a play it's a play it isn't a bingo it's a play that's what the talking's about <laughs> so they did they'd, they'd gone in there thinking it was the bingo paid for the tickets probably saw it was going to be a play but thought well we won't go yet because we were played on three games of bingo <laughs> you quit Honestly, God, amazing. That's great. But they've probably just seen Bingo Star on the on the poster outside. We go and get a game of Bingo. It's only eight quid. (laughs) (laughs) All right, then we've got one more word uh, before we finish, and I think this word nicely encapsulates everything, really. And the word is courage. Courage, yeah, as something that um, some people can have instantly. Some people, um, it's the old adage, do you put your arm around someone or do you chastise them, particularly as like football man? But courage, I think, can be be nurtured, can be built. Um, When I, I, the first time I ever came to improv, um, I didn't do anything, Um, I got, um, pushed into doing an off the wall game and I didn't go forward then Emma actually stepped forward and pulled me up to do a scene with her and um, with all my acting experience and everything I just froze you know I did nothing I contributed absolutely nothing to the scene and um, that's changed now. I've got a bit more courage <laughs> and I can step forward freely now. So I think it is something that's nurtured um, and something that's encouraged. <laughs> courage is encouraged. <laughs> um, and I think it's part of that um, the part of that initial thing that we do at the beginning of sessions when we give our names and, and something about the, the, you know, the weather, what weather would we be, what animal would we be. Um, and then that's why the, the, the warm-up is important to me uh, uh, because we can be silly together all standing up at the same time. I'm talking about um, sessions now, not shows. Um, and that, that can help with, with the courage a little bit. And um, this, what's drove into us and certainly drove into me is that you, you're not on your own. When you step forward, you've got somebody with you who's a partner. If, if 
I've been told that if you if you go brain dead during a scene, your mind goes completely empty. You can say anything, and you, you, your partner will help you out. You can say blamange. A lot of people, I've heard quite a few people say, "Oh, blamange," and it's an indication that I'm I'm a bit lost here. Um, and that's like the, the safety nets and the support and the encouragement all go towards building your own personal, or certainly in my case, my own personal courage to be able um, to take part. Yeah, and that's the thing, taking part, just going to a session for the first time, that takes an immense amount of courage, whether you're brand new to it or whether you've been doing it for years, to go into a new environment and say, hey, I'm here, I want to be a part of this. That takes courage, and then once you once you've stepped foot through the door, the next thing is okay. Well, will I actually be able to take part? Do I have the courage to step in and say, "Yeah, I'll play that game," and then maybe that's going well, and then it's hey, there's going to be a show. Do you want to do the show? And then it's like this the next level of courage. Yeah, oh yeah, I'd love to do the show. I don't know if I'm ready. And they say, like, "Of course you're ready. You've been doing it every week." So there's there's courage. Uh, you know, it takes courage to to start a community in the first place like LCI you know Emma needed the courage yeah. to just say yeah I'm going to do this I'm going to I'm going to create this so yeah courage is a really important word for everything in improv because if you if you don't have the courage to give anything a go then you're not even going to be an improviser yeah and I think um, it's one of the things we can help with certainly at LCI, when we get some new people in, I feel for some of them because I, I see them kind of going through what I went through when I first went to um, to improv. And uh, you just want to help them and reassure them that the second, third and fourth visit will definitely be different from the first one. You know, once you, once you build that courage together, it's... Um, it's, again, it's going back to the word commitment, isn't it? You know, yeah. You, you commit yourself with with the, you, you got to commit to the courage. And I'm always keen to get new people on the show, people I've not met before, or people that just haven't been on before. And I've, I've spoken to people uh, at LCI, and some of these people are people that I know are regulars at the drop-ins, but I've only met them at a show, for example, and I'll, yeah. I'll get chatting with them and I'll say, Hey, I'd love to get you on the podcast and, and, and talk about your improv journey. And there's a lot of people that are like, no, I, why do you want to talk to me? You know, I don't have an interesting story or I'm, I'm not ready for that yet. I'm, I'm not good enough. And I'm like, wow. The fact that you stepped in the room, the very first day, you know, yeah. that that's that's all that you need for me to be able to say, hey, let's talk about that. Um, but yeah, some people, they, they don't have the courage to think that they're good enough yeah. for some, something as simple as just sitting and having a chat with me on, on this show. The courage of confidence, I suppose. Yeah. Courageous um, confidence. But I see it growing people all the time. Um, and uh, like I say, it's one of the good things about uh, welcoming new people. But, but I remember um, what I, I saw. I first saw this on Facebook. Um, one of Emma's um, adverts 
for improv and it was with some photographs and I was looking at them people and I'm thinking, oh my God, they look so good. And, you know, could, it was only a photograph, it wasn't a video, but I'm thinking, look at them, the way that guy's leaning forward with his, he looks so good. These are all going to be so good and I'm going to make a fool of myself, you know. Um which was half right. <laughs> they were good. And I did make a fool of myself. <laughs> <laughs> Only for the first one. Well, this has been a mammoth chat. We've been going for a long time and I yeah. think it is time to call it to a close. But thank you so much for coming on. It's been really interesting to talk about all things the letter C and I I think that we have really covered the letter well and gone down lots of different avenues and I hope everyone listening has really enjoyed everything that we've discussed. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me, um, Ian. Um, it's been brilliant, as always. Uh, and I'm going to come away with this, with, with one word in particular, commitment. It seems to come up in, in a lot of the things we spoke about. Yeah, it really did. It sort of just intertwined itself with everything, really. So, yeah, commitment. What a takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure, as always, and I, I look forward to getting you on again next time. Thank you, Ian. Bye, everyone. Well, there we go. Thank you so much to Michael. As always, a fascinating person to talk to about improv and just about life. And the letter C there gave us so many great things to talk about. So I hope you enjoyed the chat as much as I enjoyed having it. Now, life for me is going to get very busy. My life is always very busy, but it's about to get very busy in terms of schedule. So I, I do plan on getting some regular shows out to you and I hope everything falls into place. But sometimes things don't go to plan. But basically, I am going away for Easter. I'm going to the Philippines. I've never been to the Philippines. I'm very excited. I'm going to be meeting uh, Seki's family in person for the first time. All very exciting. But that means that my schedule before I go is hectic, making sure I get everything ready. And then I've got a very busy schedule when I return. So I'm aware that normally I'd have an, an Easter break where I'd get lots of stuff done, do lots of things for the podcast. That's not going to happen. So hopefully I'll be able to get episodes out on its regular time frame but if that doesn't happen it doesn't happen such is life uh, but keep checking the the website the, the facebook everything because if there's any changes to the schedule i will make sure that you find out about it on there again thanks to michael for that chat there's loads of, of great chats to be had upcoming with the a to z of improv and if it's something that you think hey that's something i want to talk about i want to come on and talk about one of the letters with ian then just let me know I've got lots of people still that I've got plans to get onto the show, but sometimes scheduling can be a bit of a nightmare because I've got a very busy schedule and if people don't fit into when I'm available, uh, I don't have that much wiggle room at the moment, but I am doing my best to get uh, different people on and get variety for the show. And yeah, there's loads of great people coming up. So keep checking back as always. I do appreciate it. If you think that this episode sounds a bit different to normal, then that's because I'm using different software. For the first time, I'm using something completely different to me that I'm still trying to get to grips with. So if you think the quality is not as good the, that compared to what it normally is, I apologize. Perhaps you think it's better. The idea is that it's going to be better. Maybe I haven't quite mastered the the ins and outs of, of all of that yet but I am always trying to evolve for the better so the new software that I have when I fully master it will hopefully make sure that the show is sounding as good as it can be and that the conversations are having the quality that they deserve when they enter your ears well, I think that pretty much covers everything that I need to say 
in terms of this week's show. If you are in the UK, uh, Seki and I were recently on The Gadget Show. It was episode three of the latest season of The Gadget Show. If you haven't seen that, then you can check it out. If you're not in the UK, I don't know if it's available in your area, so I'm sorry about that. I know we do have listeners uh, in various places around the world, but basically it's a tech consumer show. Seki and I were guests for an episode. We had a fantastic time doing it. So yeah, you can go and check that out. And Michael mentioned some of my music in this chat. As always, if you want to check out what I do that isn't just improv related then if you go to my youtube channel i do have all sorts of of great content on there and some of that content is music you know i used to write and record music all the time and it still exists it's still out there and i'm still very proud of it so do check that out and if you're interested in getting into improv yourself or are already involved in improv and want to try out a different improv scene then all the information you need can be found at www.liverpoolcomedyimprov.co.uk you can also check us out on facebook by searching for liverpool comedy improv and on twitter and instagram we are at live comedy improv we have a facebook page i've mentioned it already but check it out because everything show related that you could possibly need to know is there if you're a member of the lti community and you want to be a guest on the show get in touch with emma or get in touch with me we'll make the arrangements as soon as possible if you're listening on apple or spotify please give us a five star review little things like that really help to boost the show and get our name out there I've already mentioned my YouTube. I'm all over social media, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube. Just search for at Ian Luke Jones and you'll find me. And that brings this mammoth episode to a close. But before I go, here are some words that are wise, wise, wise. Always remember, whatever the situation, to treat life like improv and yes and. <laughs>